Another week, another NRL 720 podcast. We got Kerrod out in beautiful Biloela. Mate, how are you? Very well, thanks, mate. Yourself? Good, buddy. Good. How's the weather? You keeping warm? Yeah, it has been very, very frosty. We've had a few few frosty, few icy mornings the last couple of mornings. So it's been uh, been nice, mate. I love winter time. I love this time of year. Hoodies yeah, on and That's it. state of origin. Yep. I can soak up a few cold mornings for the, for the best time of the year. Can you still have a cold beer? Is it too cold to have a cold beer? Or are you, are you still on your, never, you still on your red wines, mate? Ah, uh, it's never too cold for cold beer. But now, nah, yeah, I am well and truly on the red wines, mate. Unreal. Well, what's your what's your drop these days? Give a shout out to your favourite wine at the moment. Oh, mate, I'm a, I'm a cheapo. I'm just the old Jacobs Creek Shiraz, mate. Oh, beautiful. What does that go for? Seven dollars <laughs> a bottle. I think it's up to ten, mate. I 10? think everybody hit me in pretty hard inflation. Inflation, like, yeah, of course. Inflation, bloody Albanese, mate. Bloody oh, Alba. seven dollar wines are now ten dollars. How, how are we supposed to afford anything in this world these days, um, mate? It's, it's getting tough, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, mate, before we get into our podcast this week, um, little little something that happened about a week or so ago. I was a bit late on this story, but a hamster was launched 23 kilometres high into the stratosphere a couple of weeks ago. Um, he was actually asleep the whole time as it ascended towards the stars. Carrot, got a question for you. Uh, if you could put a celebrity in that thing and just send it all the way up into the stars, maybe never to return, who would you want to put in there? Uh, I don't know if he's a celebrity, but I was thinking about this before. Mate, is there any chance we get Nick Kyrgios up into one of those things? So he's... Just no longer relevant for Australian sport. You're a, you're a young father yourself, Kerrod. I, I couldn't think of any other role model you'd want to show young Desi than uh, Nick Kyrgios. Well, I can take the attitude. I can take all that. But I can never take a bloke that tanked so many games as he has. Yeah. And people just forgive him for it. Like, that tanking is the most un-Australian thing. And, yeah. And everyone's giving him credit for this. I'm like, he's tanked his whole career and he's having a bit of a dig and everyone's jumping on board. Like, oh. He's, yeah, no, he's done his time with me, that's for sure. Yeah, he just shows up every now and then just to get a bit of a pay packet and uh, goes and does whatever the hell he wants with his life. So, yeah, he's a he's a great A knob, always has been. Um, yeah, the sooner he leaves my world, the better, I think. So, no, that's not a good one. Actually, I'll, I'll second you on that. If I could put him up there with the hamster and they can go off into the stars together, never to return, um, yeah, put him up there. Be a beautiful day. It would be, mate. Uh, I don't know if you caught. I didn't. Uh, I got to admit, with all the the players out over the weekend and the shortened schedule, I turned my eye Saturday night to the uh, the big double header in the rugby union. Ireland went over to New Zealand and actually had their first win ever in New Zealand and beat the All Blacks. And then uh, here in Brizzy, the the Wallabies hosted um, England. I, I got to say, bit weird being a league. I don't watch a lot of union, but um, there was players sin bin for knock ons which I thought was a bit harsh. One guy was actually going for a genuine intercept. Uh, he had like a three-on-one, the uh, Wallabies winger. Forgot his name now. But, uh, yeah, the only play he had was to try and intercept the ball. And uh, he went for it. Obviously, he didn't get it, knocked it on. And uh, then he got Sinbin for it. I thought that was um, a bit interesting. I didn't hear that rule before. And uh, one guy in the All Blacks game, uh, it was a bit of a head clash. Guy was sort of running on the inside line, sort of came back inside the playmaker and... Uh, yeah, straight on head clash, and he got he got sent off for it. Got red carded, mate. Has the world gone soft, or do we need to bring back a bit of biff in these in these football contests? I think rugby unions just gone completely off the deep end. I, I think they tried to with the juniors and that with the you know HIAs. I think that was a pretty big issue and trying to trying to keep the juniors involved in the game, but they've just gone completely off the deep end. Like some of the send offs and some of the decisions is just gone ridiculous now. Mm. I admit I haven't watched the rugby. I used to watch a fair bit of union when I was younger, but. Yeah, 
you know, back in the day when Johnny Eels and Tim Hoare and those boys were running around, but it was sort of fun back then, but yeah, yeah it's a small first rugby union now, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I watched both those games. Uh, it, was, it was a tough watch on Saturday night, and uh, my takeaway was um, rugby league's in good hands. Uh, we have no threat whatsoever from rugby union maybe um, taking over as the dominant football in this country because, um, yeah, that, it was hard to watch. I mean, sometimes it takes them three, four minutes just to pack a scrum. I mean, I just – and some of these incidents, it was just like uh, someone would knock the ball on. They wouldn't know if they wanted to pack a scrum, kick it out, go for penalty goal. Like, it was just – it just it, it was a farce. Like, sometimes – I reckon there was about 10, 15 minutes had gone by at one stage. I had seen less than one minute of actual football being played. It was just – yeah, never been a fan of uh, the rah-rah, um, and uh, I don't think I will be after watching those two games. Speaking of the footy no, from the – from the weekend, mate, the shortened schedule, we had all the players away for origin. Half of them had the buy. The other half had to go through with uh, lesser lineups. What do you, They've been trying to tinker with this for years. What do you think? Do you like watching some of these guys having a crack at first grade for the first time? Or um, should we just do what we did after the second origin and have a bit of a rep round and none of the teams play? Um, I'd like to see three weekends, three rep round weekends. I mm. don't understand why we can't just have our three weekends off for the year. Uh, I know I might throw a bit of everything around, you know, make teams where there's a bit of momentum and all that, but I can't understand why we can't have a, you know, New Zealand play Tonga one weekend and then we have a, you know, the next weekend New Zealand play England or, you know, if I know the Super League on, it'd be pretty hard to organise it all, but yeah, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see three, three weekends fair and have, you know, uh, the sun- Sunday night was, even though Queensland got decimated in the last State of Origin, the Sunday night for me, brilliant for the State of Origin, you can actually have a few beers in the RV and it's you know, everyone settles in and watch the origin, whereas the Wednesday, it's, yeah, I don't know, it's such a rush period. Yeah, so, I guess the Wednesday yeah. is the traditional one, obviously. I mean, I think actually the first ever origin was on a Monday night, I think, for memory. So um, they have tinkered with the days over the years. I remember there was one year back in like the early 2000s, they actually had them like three, four weeks apart and they were on Sunday nights, all three games, because they made sure they lined up a public holiday the day after it. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was a bit wild. It was out in the... Out in the clubs, if you can call them nightclubs in Townsville, as a, as a young whippersnapper back then. So uh, that's how you watch the, the footy that one year, and then they quickly went back to Wednesday nights. It's good to see some young guys get a bit of a taste for rugby league uh, in the first grade. Like some guys obviously toiling away in Q Cup and New South Wales Cup, you know, put the jersey on and get the, fam- the family and everything there to, to watch them play. I don't mind that, but um, it, it is a bit of a tough watch. Like I... I Got to admit, I can't even watch Q Cup or New South Wales Cup at the best of times. So um, seeing some of these guys play in the NRL can be a bit tough. But, hey, I don't mind the opportunity. You've got to give these guys a crack sometimes. So just on that, mate, your baby Broncos, they got up yesterday. Can you beat a contender? A lot of wins against bottom eight teams. Uh, the Dragons, poor old Dragons. Didn't have Benny Hunt. But uh, what are you, how are you boys going to go this year, mate, for the rest of the season? Uh, yeah, obviously, I think we're, we're below the... I hate to admit it, but below the big three, um, Cowboys, Storm, and Panthers, although Storm are starting to waver a fair bit now, but we've knocked off the Sharks pretty convincingly at home. Um, I don't think the Sharks are contenders, but they were knocked off then. We haven't played the Eels yet. I think we've got to play the Eels Eels in a week or two, so that'll be a bit of a test against the Eels. But, you know, we've knocked off the Rabbits, but oh, it's just the, big, the, the sort of top three sides are probably a bit above us this year. I think we're probably a little bit off them. But, yeah, no, the, the boys had a, obviously a great win on the weekend, and I think if they can put it on, if, if all if they can rock up and actually have a eighty minute game, they'll compete against the Cowboys and the Storm. Uh, we're not going to beat the Panthers, but no one's going to beat the Panthers. So, uh, I, yeah. Do I need to rewind this podcast? Did you say that there was a 
there was a top three, Storm, Panthers and Cowboys? Yeah, I'd hate to admit it, mate. But, um, yeah, the Cowboys are certainly shaping up. Well, they're a bit above us this year, unfortunately, but <laughs> wow, hard to, hard to admit that. I've uh, never thought I'd see the day where I would uh, hear those words come out of your mouth, Karen, but uh, there you go. Um, you, big news, you got Reese Walsh coming over. Obviously, he the team went back to New Zealand and he went, fuck that, I'm staying in Queensland. So Reese Walsh is uh, looking to join the Broncos next year. What's the long-term plan for the club, I guess? You got Reese Walsh there, which I'm guessing is going to be your fullback for the next 10 years, but Adam Reynolds has probably got one or two years left in him. He's already had a few sort of ins and outs with the club already in his first season, so you know his reliability isn't there at the best of times. What's the long-term sort of plan for those guys with the, the two halves and the hooker pairing? Heard a bit of inside word that, I think their pretty big plan was to have Reese at fullback. Ezra, Ezra will be long term. They're going to shift him into halfback. They, the club, and everyone obviously realise that Reynolds probably doesn't. You know, we definitely won't get a fourth year out of him if we get another mm. two years. He'll be doing pretty well. So, yeah. I think the long term, I think they're starting to whether Ezra plays the half a season or starts to develop as a halfback in Q Cup at some point will be the big decision, or whether they just keep him at five eight and let him learn his craft off Reynolds. So. Yeah. Um, and I think they'll just give they'll just give Cobo whether they he has another year year to develop on, on the wing, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, he's only nineteen years old this year, so yeah, no, it's, um, it's good. There's plenty of plenty of years there for uh, Ezra to learn from Reynolds, and he can teach him how to kick on the full out on the full a couple of times each week. So that's good. Teach um, him how to win a premiership, mate. <laughs> please, English carried him. Um, all right, let's get off the Broncos. Uh, the Melbourne Storm. 28-6 to six losers over the Sharkies on the weekend. Are the wheels falling off the Melbourne Storm? Now, you said that they're part of the big three that's sort of at the top of the ladder at the moment. They've slumped back to number third now. The Cows are out, outright second now, uh, which is good for the Cows if they want to stay that position for the rest of the season because that means they get the home semi against the Storm in the first round. They've looked very beatable in their last few games. Uh, has the Chiefs checked out? And what's the rest of the team doing at the moment? Because they just... I know they've had a couple of their key guys in and out of the lineup. Pappy's only just been back for a week or so, but I don't know. The Storm, they're looking looking a little shaky, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I agree. They are looking shaky, but I don't know. I just wonder whether they're just tailing off a bit. Some clubs sort of tail off at different points. I just wonder whether Bellamy's up there training or mm. having a bit of a tail off through the middle of the year with an eye. Maybe they're going to get, you know, what was it? Was it last year where they won? Was it 17 or? Something ridiculous games in a row, and yeah. you know, they sort of looked unbeatable, and you know they looked dead set. They were looking more favourites in the Storm heading into the up than the Panthers story heading into the finals. So, and you know they just lost that one crucial game. So I wonder whether Bellamy's trying to tail them off a bit and have them raring to go for the finals this year or not. But oh, they sort of they haven't had their probably big four all play together for a while. I suppose that's probably half half their issue. And yeah, I don't know. They, they their four pack just looks a bit weak compared to. Mm. Compared to everyone else, Kafusi and the two Bromwiches are sort of not getting any younger. Um, I don't know, they just sort of lack a bit of oomph up the middle, don't they? And the outside backs aren't as, I guess, not the big weapons that they've they've had in recent years. Nico Hines leaving, I think this was that time of the year where Nico Hines, when some of those rep players were out, Nico was outstanding for the Storm last year. He slotted in fullback, could play 5'8", play halfback played in lock at times, like he was just sort of Mr. Fix-It for him. So he was crucial to them having a, a really good regular season last year and sort of helped through some of these these down periods. 
the cheese. I don't know. Like I've said it back at the start of the season. I don't like it when players sign elsewhere a year before they have to leave because I just don't believe that they're going to give their 100% for that club and be focused and want to really strive and, and try hard for them every single week. Is there, is there a little bit of that with cheese this year? Oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's hard keeping him on. I think they've probably only kept him on for a bit of, for a bit of depth for Harry, to be honest. But mm. yeah, there's a fair bit of that with the Storm. I don't. I, I definitely don't think the Storm can win the Premiership this year. I actually think I, I think they're a fair bit below the Cowboys. I was looking at the Storm back line, and you know what they got: Laramia, Anderson, Seve, and Olam mm. as their um, centres. And you know, you compare that to the Panthers with Taylor May, Tago. Crichton and so... Well, well, the Panthers have five players in the New South Wales backline. Oh, yeah, that's The only ones who aren't are Tedesco and Tupac. The rest are are basically Panthers if you throw Burton in there as an ex-Panther. Yeah, well, that's right. Then you even, you know, pains me to say, but even look at the Cowboys backline with Tuolagi, Holmes, Mm. you know, Hick is nothing outstanding, but he's a solid solid. solid player, same as Felt. Like, as you take that backline over the Storm backline any day of the week, Mm. um, and... I don't think Drinky's too far off Pappy's standard, to be honest. Um, I was having this conversation with a mate just actually on Monday, and jeez, I, I don't. If, if you offered Drinky or Pappy to me right now, I don't know who I'd. I don't know who I'd take. I'd, you'd probably have to nearly lean towards Drinky. How injury prone Pappenhausen is, so yeah, it's um, sort of, it's sort of it's like Pappy when he's on and he's healthy. He's there's nothing better to watch in, in a game of rugby league, but. You know, sometimes the old saying, the best ability is availability. And sometimes, you know, in recent years, his, his availability has been a bit sort of waning at times. Yeah, I just think they're very, very thin this year. Like I said, they've got the, four, the big four. But if one or two of them are injured or suspended or out, it's a very ordinary-looking team, the Melbourne Storm. That's right. Well, they've invested so much money. You know, it'll be four, at least $4 million of their cap, close to $4 million in their cap, around four players. So. Mm. I mean, I know you have to have a great spine to win comps, but yeah, they probably they probably need to let go of one of those players. You know, like if a monster went have a run of the mill five eight or something, you know, like a, a, a good quality NRL five eight, not a million dollar five eight. So, and we mentioned Nico Hines leaving before, who did a lot for that team, but also someone like Dale Finucane, you know, like such a forward leader. Like he's just his presence definitely being missed this year with him as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we, we keep giving it to Hinchy that this is the end of the dynasty, but eh, it could be. You know, this could be the last year that we see Melbourne sort of a, a top two, top three team. Who knows? I'm not too sure how the future looks for them because Munster's only committed for one more year. There's still still rumours that maybe uh, he's just going to see how the Dolphins go after a year and maybe he could fly after that. Cheese has already left. Nico's already left. Finucane's already left. So... Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see how the storm look probably this time next year. But uh, moving along to the Roosters, they got a little bit of a boost today. Kiri's returned to training after four weeks out with concussion protocols. The Roosters are seven and nine on the season. What's the rest of the year look for both Kiri and the Roosters? Well, I think I said on the podcast a few weeks ago that I didn't tip the Roosters to make the eight. I think they they got a huge game this this weekend against the uh, they play the Dragons. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's going to be a crucial game, Lloyd. If the Dragons can beat them, which, you know, after the way Dragons played on Sunday, you, you'd definitely be tipping the Roosters. But if the Dragons can snag a win, then it could be curtains for the Storm. I mean, for the Roosters for the season, to be honest. They, they looked a fair way off the pace, but the buy and everything will help them a fair bit now. So, yep. you know, if they can get all their New South Wales players back, which they're all going to have to back up. No, none of them have. They're not going to be able to rest them too, which is going to hurt them. Like, Tedesco's going to have to back up. So, yep. yeah, I know I don't know about Kiri. Oh, jeez. At what point does 
personal welfare, player welfare come into it. The man had knocks four blokes out in his career. Like, yeah, he's had a lot. He's, he's got to be on his last one, surely, by now. Well, it's getting to the point where the, the head knocks that he gets now or the, the concussions, it's it's sort of – they don't look like much at all. And those are the scary ones when, you know, it barely looks like a guy's sort of had any contact and he's knocked out cold or he gets up dizzy and can't walk properly. It's – yeah, I think there's definitely got to be a little bit more player welfare from um, not only the Roosters but the NRL. I mean, there's got to be some sort of limit as to, you know, calling this guy's career. I just career don't know how you play. Retiring. Yeah, I don't know either. I just don't know how you play. I don't know how you go to the NRL and go 100% into tackles and that and just knowing that one last glancing blow would end your career. Like, mm. Well, that's what happened to Boyd Cordner, So Yeah, and, you know, he made the decision and everything and no doubt Roosters are looking after him off the field and doing everything, but, geez, it must be tough. Like, Kiri's only, what, 29 or something? And yeah. To know that one more glance at the end of your career. If Kiri does go down, what, what are they going to do next year? Yeah, exactly. You know, they've got Sam Walker there, who's obviously a young half, but he's still, you know, he's still trying to find the ropes in first grade. You know, it's probably going to, he's probably still two or three years away from really being able to run a team himself. So, yeah, interesting times for the, the Sombrero Cap Roosters. Mate, Monster, Monster will pop, pop, pop up there, mate. <laughs> well, the cheese is going there, mate, so he'll look after him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, mate. Origin three. Let's get into it. Favorite Origin decider? Can you think of one Origin decider in recent years or yesteryears that sort of sticks out to yourself? Because that's sort of the most favorite part about Origin. Everyone sort of does hope that there is a one-one and you. It's all on the line for the third game, and luckily the third game is it. Old faithful Lang Park, Suncorp Stadium on Wednesday night. So, uh, yeah, Carrot, any particular decider that sticks out in your mind? Just trying to think about this. Was it the was it the two thousand and six series? The one with Lockie. Yeah, the one with Lockie, oh, where he course. scored at the end. Of course, you'd pick that one, but yes, that was that no. was a game three in Sydney where he scooped up the intercept from the loose ball. That yeah, that I was thinking about that. Mate, that was the start. That was pretty much the start of the dynasty, wasn't it? Like that two thousand and six period onwards. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when they started. That that was. Yeah, that was the best best year. I think I think they won the World Cup. The, I think the World Cup was that year too. I think Lockyer became the first captain to win the. He did. He won all three. Yep, won, the won all three. The first one, and then I think Cameron Smith done it a couple of times. We've done it before, but he was the first captain to do all three. But yeah, that was that was for me, mate. That was the absolute pinnacle that year. Yep, been, oh. been downhill since then for me. Anyway. <laughs> As <laughs> soon as Lockie's hair started to go, mate, it started to go downhill for Broncos. That was supporters. the end of it, mate. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, mate, for me, it was actually the one from only a couple of years ago, the Nuffies, that were a 100-1 chance to, to, to win the series. Um, there was a bunch of nobodies, basically, captained by DCE. And, uh, yeah, they got the chocolates and uh, got the win in the COVID year. So uh, that one's probably been my favourite decided. That one and actually your boy Lockie's uh, final origin. I remember they absolutely belted. New South Wales by about forty points, I think, in the in the decider that that night. So um, I remember flying in a tiny little thirty seater plane from Armadale to Sydney back into Brisbane for it on, on game day, and it was like ninety kilometre winds. And I swore never again I'd ever fly in one of those tiny little shit planes again because, <laughs> mate, I must have uh, spewed up and ate me me breakfast and lunch bloody about twenty eight times during that flight. It was the the worst hour of my life. So uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, landed, led in safely, and uh, was able to watch uh, Lockyer and the boys all send him off on a on a winning note. So that was another good decider I remember from back in the day. The hype and the build up to Origin this year, there's been none. It's been absolutely dead silent. Are the players a little bit too quiet or reserved these days? I mean, in the yesteryear, guys would come out and say that they're going to bash someone, they're going to take their head off, we're going to target this guy. Like they would really put it all on the line and really pump it up through the media. 
But these days, the players, they just seem to give robot answers. I saw Jerome Luai, they were interviewing him today, and they asked him about some of the Queenslanders. What do you think about Tommy Dean come into it? And he's just, oh, Tommy Dean's a really good player. He's playing well for the Cowboys. He'll, he'll be great for them. And, and I was just like, mate, like... <laughs> where's the where's the the old yesteryear where they would have said yeah we'll target him it's his debut we'll we'll knock his head off we'll show him what origin's about i'm sort of looking for that out of the players but it just seems like over the recent years they just seem to be dulling down the big moment of origin more and more um what do you reckon oh i think that's just sports sports people in general that's just the way mm. the way the world is mate like anyone who has a bit of charisma or character i think they just get shut down so quickly now and you know, you look at Radley and Cheese and that, they do have a bit of charisma and a bit of something about them, but yep. they just get hammered when they do come out and say stuff and that. So, yeah, it's just the, everyone's just so mundane and they just run of the mill now. So that, yeah. that's just that's just sports in general, mate. Look, I don't know of any – players are so cautious to give the other side you know, ammunition or something, I suppose. Yeah. Well – Speaking of Tommy Dearden, I'm going to come out, and if they're not going to say it, I'm going to say it for him. Uh, the team photo was today. I noticed uh, Tommy Dearden straight away got up next to Coach Billy Slater, was sitting next to him in the middle of the photo. Mate, he had his big legs spread out. He was showing his balls and dick to everyone. He was like, here, New South Wales, this is what's coming for you on Wednesday night. So uh, there you go, New South Wales. I'll, I'll do it for him, mate. He's going he's gonna to get out there, and he's going to flop the big one on your forehead. So look out, Jerome Lewis. He's coming for you. I wish I was as confident as you, mate. I, <laughs> I, I was, I'm amazed that they're not playing Ben Hunt at 5'8". They reckon that training today, they'll run him with Dearden at 5'8". Hunt at hooker, look. I don't know why you would games, debut. Mate. Mind games, mind games. Come on, mate. It's an origin decider. Mind games. I'm pretty sure Benny Hunt's going to start, mate. I don't think... His name's Billy, not silly, mate. Uh, sure, surely, mate. I, if they debut Dearden in a decider at Suncorp against Cleary and Lua and that, but I know he can defend. Very well, but yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll wait. all will be found out Wednesday night, I suppose. It will, mate. Now, just quickly before we get into a couple of little tidbits about the teams, um, the Origin national eligibility seems to be something that sort of come up in recent weeks. Um, what's the answer? It seems as unclear as ever now. Guys are sort of playing for their state, able to still go and play for the international. They don't know if they're a first tier or second tier or third tier team, and it doesn't affect if they play Origin. Um, I know we've had guys from other countries. You know, Adrian Lamb used to play for PNG. We even had Tony Carroll play for both New Zealand and Queensland. It's always been blurred in the past when it came to eligibility for Origin. And if basically, if you said if you played for Queensland and you said Wales, then you're only eligible for Australia, and that was it. Um, what's the answer? Where can we go going forward? Because no one seems to know who the hell can play for what. Oh, I think that's right. No one, no one does know the perfect answer, mate. Like we can come out and say. You know, you've got to be born in Australia and you've got to, if you play Queensland, you say, well, you've got to represent. But then you're going to completely destroy the international game. Like, you mm-hmm. think about how strong Samoa are going to be with Toho, Crichton, Luai, and Co playing for them. I think, I think Big Papa said that he might play, play for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think about how strong Samoa would be. So if we say to those guys, well, you've either got to play for New South Wales or Queensland or you're not get to play Samoa, like, you know, Papa Lee is probably not going to make the Australian side, and you know, Luai definitely wouldn't make the Australian side. So, you know, what do we do? We say they can't play at the World Cup. So, mm. and the international games is not strong enough for us to say. You know, you've got to decide because they're going to decide to play for New South Wales or Queensland and collect thirty thousand dollars a game and play that for three or four years. I mean, the World Cup's obviously brilliant, but it's only every four years. So, 
Well, they need to actually make like the international game relevant because no one seems to know from year to year what the hell's going on in the international game. We don't know when play like they name a World Cup every three, four, five years, but even that doesn't stick to a schedule. And I mean, we did have a four nations comp after the end of the season for a few years there. Then they can that. Uh, sometimes now we're having some you know invitational international games sort of during rep round midway through the season. But I mean, like the international game, we definitely do need it, but. They need to make some sort of like regular schedule for it, so people actually know what it is that they're they're playing for and they're fighting for. No, no money, and it is the issue. Like the NRL is worth so much money to the NRL from broadcasting that there's no money. So if Fox Sports or someone come out and said that we're going to offer the you know offer the international game millions and millions of these games, which they're not going to do, then they're just not going to get the money for it. So the NRL is always going to be right, and it's a long season. Like I know that. We can't get enough of it, and we'd love to go all year. But it's a pretty long season for the boys. You know, what do most of them start training? What October, November? Yeah, the ones that you know don't make the finals, so they go. If you play finals, you go on right through to September, October, and then have to start again. So it's, it is a long season. So just at the end of the year, it's such a hard slog for them. So yeah, I don't know, mate. There's no right or wrong answer with it. Um, I was sort of thinking today about it. I thought I think you don't wherever you're born, you're born. But I think you've just got to play. Like what's that rule? Is that you got to play? You got to play a game before you're 16 in your state. That's you know that's got to be the least you know, at least that. And yeah, I still think yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, put it that way. It's a weird one. Uh, yeah, I just it seems like it just I don't changes mind how they from year now. to year. I like I just I don't mind what rule they make. Just make it now and stick to it for the next 10 years and don't change it and don't review it. Like it just seems like. Unfortunately, in the NRL, they review their rules for the, the, the way the game's played, like with the six-again rule and shit like that every year. It's like, just pick a way and go with it. Don't change it because just even changing origin and international eligibility rules and the way the game's played, I just don't like it how they chop and change it from year to year. It's pretty confusing well, for Well, I can't fans. see why they can't. That's right. Well, I can't see why they can't. They can play Queensland, New South Wales, like this Toa and that. But if they if they decide now that they're going to play for Samoa in the World Cup, that's it. They're Samoa. They, they, they can yeah. only play for Samoa. Yeah. You can't you can't say that you can go and play for Australia. Like Queensland New South Wales is, you know, I don't really like it, but they can keep playing Queensland New South Wales. But that's it. So he's a Samoan now. That's he can only play for Samoa. That's the easiest way to do it. I, I don't understand why they can't just do that. Yeah. And it is, it's sort of, it's, it does take a bit of the fabric away from State of Origin because it's almost making it look like it's an All Stars game instead of being State of Origin. Yeah, that's right. And Gil, uh, I think Trevor Gilmore said that today. I was uh, reeling on. Facebook somewhere today, he said the same thing. He said, I'm worried about the fabric of the game getting, you know, mm. people aren't really, <laughs> you know, are these Samoan, are these Tongan lads, you know, do, do they understand what it is? Like, is it, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Is it in their heritage to be like, you know, I hate New South Wales, I hate Queensland, or yeah. I want to win, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now, with the Queensland team, uh, obviously the big news Munster and Tulagi are out. Uh, they contracted the old COVID bug. The spicy cough. Without those guys, Dearden's come into the side. Corey Oates, your boys come into the side. Do Queensland have any chance? New South Wales are at a dollar thirty-five. They've had no distractions, no disruptions. They're coming off a big win in Perth. Do Queensland have any chance on Wednesday night, Carrot? Uh well, I actually think I know you won't agree with me, but I actually think Oates in for Tuolagi is actually strengthening the side. Stop. Um, Tuolagi's got more potential and more X factor, no doubt, but. Mate, we just need a car. We just need a one experienced winger. I just don't think we can have two inexperienced wingers in state of origin. You probably disagree with me on that one, but oh, 
mate, yeah, it's just too hard. It's too hard over two inexperienced wingers. There's just too much can go wrong, which went wrong in, in Perth. So I'm not um, so much. I'm not so much it. worried about the winger. I'm more worried about probably the forward pack. I mean. We got Jeremiah well, got Nanai starting got... in the second in the second row. Um, obviously, Kafusi's off overseas with some uh, family personal matters happening at the moment, so that came at a pretty bad timing for for Queensland. Um, Tommy Gilbert's coming in, so he's making an Origin debut on his bench on the bench for Queensland and a decider. Nanai, I mean, he had an okay first game, was kind of nowhere to be found in game two. Now he's being forced to start in game three. Yeah, we just look very very thin for something of this magnitude for the moment. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I I agree. We got completely outplayed the forward pack, and geez, I like Tommy Gilbert actually. I I don't rate. I don't think Nanai's up to state of origin. That might be. You know, people might say he's got raw ability and everything, but I still think he needs another year of playing for the Cowboys before he's state of origin ready. You've seen by that missed tackle in Perth, like that was mm. that was Queensland Cup that missed tackle. Like he he hadn't been on the field for very long, and he completely missed that tackle on the way. And you can't do that in state of origin. That's Mm. Those sort of missed tackles are just not state of origin. So, geez, I hope Billy Slater starts Tommy Gilbert. I, I think I think he's severely underrated, Gilbert. I think he's one of the Cowboys' better forwards, and you know, he was a huge boy. I don't know what Dolphins are playing him next year, but he, I reckon he's one of their best boys. So, mm. um, I'm I'm praying that Tommy goes to an edge and starts on an edge, and um, Benny Hunt this fight starts at five eight. Uh, that would be. Geez, I hope that I hope that happens, mate. Where do we win it? Oh, they got to win it. They got to win it in the forwards. I don't think our outside backs are um, near as good as the the our forward packs. Just got to stand up. Um, I think you wanted to talk about, but Papa Lee's got to do something. Like, yep. mate, he was he was atrocious in game two. Like his his leg speed. I think the game's gone past him, and I think it's gone past him for the Raiders now. You watch the amount of minutes he plays for the Raiders. Tapani, Tapani is he's the main man. He's the main dog in Canberra. He's completely his leg speed and. Puppy was so good in game one. Like, how did he just fall off a cliff in the last three, four weeks? Game one, he didn't play any minutes in game one, mate. I think he only played the first. He didn't play. No, he didn't play a lot of minutes. But his impact in the first ten, fifteen was still big. Like, he definitely got him on the front foot, and that sort of helped him get the momentum through the rest of the game. But I think he only played what twenty three, twenty something minutes. Like, as a front rower, you know the amount of injuries and that they have. Like, that shows how much, how many injuries we have in that first game. That shows how much faith Billy Slater had in him. So. I think Billy's just tried to do the, um, what's the old saying with Queensland, stick solid and do all that sort of stuff. I think you really get the feeling. Yeah, pick and stick. And I think he's trying to develop that with him. So and I think he's trying to keep a bit of experience with old Papa. He's probably a really good bloke and good bloke to have around the, the younger fellas and that. So I hope I'm wrong, mate. I hope he comes out and kills it. But, geez, he's got to, <laughs> he's got to find something with Big Seller anyway. Where's the smart money going? I think we were a chance with Munster. I, I, honestly, I was... Even with, you know, the inexperience and, you know, Nanai and the rest, I, I thought if money had a huge game, that, that we were we were dead set a chance. But, geez, you'd be, you'd be pretty game if you had a heap of money to, to back against yourself. But I know it's in Queensland. I know everything's up. And you'd be game man not to tip yourself off. Well, I'm going to be that game man. And I'm going to back the boys in. Because in my whole life, Queensland have always loved it when it's back to the wall. Underdog, no one gives us a chance. It happened a couple of years ago, happened back in 1995, happened in the mid-2000s, happened even when Origin first started in 1980 when Arthur Beetson let them out and they thought they were going to get absolutely smashed by New South Wales. This has sort of been Queensland's fabric over the years and I reckon the boys are going to shock everyone and they're going to do it one more time on Wednesday night. So I'm going to tell you right now, that crowd is going to get them over the line. 
Queensland's going to win 32 points to 12. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll be by 20 points, mate. I think if we win, it'll be a dead set Cherry Evans field goal at the end or something. No, I, I think there are a chance. I think if Benny Hunt can go to 5 8 and Gilbert starts, I think that's, that's our best chance. That's a, that's a workman. That's a Queensland workman like side. Gilbert and Capewell on the edges can defend their hearts out and they can nullify the attack. And, um, yeah, I reckon Benny Hunt should be Queensland halfback, put it that way. I think he's, I think he's a better halfback now than Daly. Yeah. So oh, I, I'd love to, I'd love to see Benny play five eight. Look, you look at the, go back to the Broncos Dragons game. If Benny Hunt plays in that game, Dragons win that game and they, you know, they win it quite comfortably, I think, against the Broncos. That's how big of an influence he has. So I think Billy, I think Billy does, I think he's just keeping his cards close to his chest. I think he's definitely going to put Dearden on the bench and I think he's going to definitely start Harry Grant at nine and put Benny Hunt in the halves. I mean, it just, if he doesn't do that and they lose, that loss is on Billy because that's definitely a selection problem. Like if he, but I, I know the hair's going grey on Billy's head, but he's not silly yet. I'm pretty sure Billy's still a smart bloke, and I think he's going to make the right call on that. He's not going to throw a, an origin rookie and a decider there out there at, at, at a key position at 5'8". Yeah, when he's got some experienced players there in Harry Grant and, and Benny Hunt that can slot in in the starting position and do the job for Queensland. So I think you'll see Billy do a little little switch, bait and switch sort of an hour before the game when they announce the team lineups. But... Uh, I guess we'll just yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. That's the beauty of Origin. We'll be uh, chewing our nails and counting down the time on Wednesday till it gets to eight ten, and uh, have a few cold froffies, or or for Carrot's sake, at least a a warm wine. And uh, nice shiraz, mate. That's it, mate. And we'll get ready for Origin on Wednesday night. All right, that's going to do it for our Origin preview with Carrot. Reese, Fat Reese will be on Thursday and we'll do a bit of a wrap-up of Game 3, the decider. Carrot, enjoy the Shiraz. Enjoy the cold weather up there, mate. Enjoy the footy on Wednesday night. Will do, mate. You too. Have a good one. See you, buddy. See you, mate.